You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 17. That's where we're at this morning. And here's our big idea for today, okay? I'm going to say it a couple times so that we get it, since it's not going to be up there. Jesus knows you are in need of His gift of righteousness. Do not reject Him with your righteousness. Alright? So, Jesus knows that you are in need of His righteousness. Don't reject Him with your righteousness. This is fake righteousness or self-righteousness. And His is a true righteousness. That is being whole and holy before the eyes of God. Well, Jesus starts us off, and rather Luke starts us off, with an introduction that is cutting to you and to me, although it might not appear as such at first. Because, look, you and I, we sit down to read our Bibles. These are words on the page. We're going to get something out of it. It's going to be good. But that's why we prayed earlier, and it's why we often pray that, God, we pray for Your Holy Spirit to work through Your Word this morning. Because this isn't just a dead Word, uh, just a printed Word on a page, but it is a, a living and an active Word through which God works to create faith in our hearts. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Oh, man. I can't wait to hear about who these awful people are. And then you realize that we're going to be the ones reading and hearing this word this morning. Oh, Luke, how could you do that to us? You tricked us. Are you trying to say that we are ones that are the people that are trusting in their own righteousness and treating others with contempt. Yes, that is exactly where Luke and God the Holy Spirit are leading us this morning. Luke wants us to see ourselves as someone in this story. Now, over pretty much all of Luke's Gospel, we've heard about the Pharisees. These jokers over here, right? No, they're not jokers. They're very serious Bible people who are doing their best possible work to help other people hear God's Word and be obedient to it. Now, sometimes, uh, maybe you've had one of these children, but parents that have heard a little bit about the Bible, we see one of our children who's always keeping the other children on task, and we love them for it until it goes too far. And then we say, why, you little Pharisee, how could you possibly treat your brothers and sisters like that? However, for people in Jesus' day, if they were to say, why, you little Pharisee, they would be so proud. That mother would be so proud of that child. Because to be a Pharisee would mean that you were taking seriously God's Word. That you knew that it had something important for you and that you were going to help others learn and understand that Word. 
And so then, when we read about these two men, these two examples, and we read about the Pharisee over here, uh, this is still shocking to Jesus' hearers. Even after everything that He's taught them, even after every example of conflict that we've seen between Jesus and the Pharisees, this is still shocking to hear. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Well, we all know about tax collectors too, don't we? No one was saying, okay, now Joshua, I want you to grow up and I want you to be a tax collector. No. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. Okay, could you get rich? Yes. Do you want to be well, well taken care of in your old age? Well, old age back then was like 50. And so, yes, you did want to be taken care of into your old age. And yet, you didn't want that to happen through your child becoming a tool of the empire. Who was going to be out there stealing people's money. Well, it's taxes. It's not stealing. Okay, never mind. It's taxes. It's not stealing people's money, right? Well, I mean, Rome has a history, right? Uh, they, they, they take more than they need to sometimes, but you know who else takes more than they need to? Tax collectors. They get a cut. They get a cut of the cash. And here's the deal. They could decide how much that cut was going to be. Right? So, okay, you've got, you've got your hundred rand. The tax collector come and says, uh, I need 10. Give me 10 of that. And then give me another 20. Hold on, what was the tax? 10. Give me another 20. Right? And so tax collectors were usually wealthy. And not only that, here's the, here's the real kicker. They weren't just wealthy after they became a tax collector. How did you get the job of being a tax collector? By bidding for it. By going to an auction and saying, uh, excuse me, uh, Roman consul, I actually have this much money that I'd be willing to give to you if you allow me to be a tax collector. And Rome says, okay, great. I'll take that much money, and now you go out and do everything that we tell you to do. They are a tool of the empire. The empire that is oppressing God's people. You do not want your child to grow up to be a tax collector. Unless maybe they're like this tax collector. So the two men went up to the temple to pray, one the Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed like this. Now, this is really interesting, okay? It's a small detail, but we got it. We got to get to it. Um, this could be translated in a couple of different ways, but the fact that he's standing by himself, usually you would be standing amongst God's people praying, and he's over here on his own. Why is he on his own? Because this could also be, be said in so many words. He is standing on him, by himself on his own, and the prayer could be translated as being directed to himself. That's shocking. A Pharisee, a Bible person, they know better than this. And yet he is standing on his own, praying for himself. Not praying like, dear Lord, help me. Praying to himself. 
so that all can hear and see just exactly what He's doing. God, I thank You that I am not like other men. (laughs) Okay, so right there. Um, It's going to be easy to hate this person. This is a hateable character. If I ever heard someone, I, I think I, there would be an uprising in church if someone ever prayed like that at Anchored. I hope there would be. No. <laughs> this is not what you want to hear from one of your religious leaders, right? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Adulterers, no one in particular. Uh, or even like this tax collector. Let me, Lord, allow me to tell you and everyone everything that I do for you. Um, I fast twice a week. I, I give tithes of all that I get. Right? All right. What's happening here? Well, what's happening here is exactly what Cain did back in our, our Old Testament lesson this morning. What did Cain do? Abel came and said, Lord, this is yours. Um, I know that you are the only one that gives any good gift. And I also know your promise. Because I know your promise, not only to provide salvation, but that you're the one that makes people right and righteous. Lord, here's my, here's my sacrifice to you. Here's my offering to you. Whereas Cain comes in and says, Lord... I would just like you to take note of everything that I'm doing for you right now by sacrificing this to you. Take it. That's the tone of their sacrifices. And this is the tone of these two men's prayers as well. But the tax collector, standing far off, that is so that no one would see him, Right, So, whereas one is standing where everyone can see him, where everyone can hear him, the other is in a place of, let's say, he's in a dusty corner of the temple where no one's going to pay any attention to him. Would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What is, it, what is this not lifting up his eyes to heaven? I, look, I always make fun of Joshua for this because he always says he always does like the uh, the altar call thing, where it's like now with with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Uh, right? We do that all the time. What's happening here? Okay, so for Jews during this time period, two things were important about their prayer. Now, hold on before we go any further. This is not the truth uh, for you and I in the way that we pray. We can pray while we're driving the car. Don't close your eyes for that one. We can pray while we're um, walking. Once again, don't close your eyes. Um, You can pray with your eyes closed. You can pray with your eyes open. You can pray looking up to heaven. You can pray looking down at the ground. Uh, You can pray looking at one of your children to say, Dear Lord, help me not to this child right now, right? You can pray in all these different ways. All these ways are acceptable. You can pray on one foot if you've got a lot of core strength and you're, you can balance for a long time. That's fine. Pray however you want. But for Jews during Jesus' day and for some still today, there's two expectations when they're praying. One is that they are praying facing the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And then two, that they are praying with their head lifted up to heaven. Okay? And... Um, 
The tax collector knows how he should be praying, and yet not only does he not even view himself as being able to be with God's people, he can't even look up to heaven. And he's beating his chest, saying the one thing that we should all be saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, we learned about this last week. It's um, God's holy unfairness. Right? What is mercy? Mercy is receiving the opposite of what we deserve. And so that's exactly what this tax collector is saying. He's saying, Lord, be unfair to me, please. Because I know in all fairness what it is that I deserve. So please be unfair to me. That's the prayer of a person that understands that their righteousness, their rightness before God does not come from deep inside of them or by something that they do. Whereas the Pharisee, what is he saying? He's saying, God, be fair to me because I'm pretty awesome. Right? <laughs> this is exactly what Cain said. God, you need what I've got, and I'm giving it to you. And the Pharisee saying, Lord, would you even be complete without me? Now, it sounds like he's being really bold, because he is. And look, you and I, when we come before the Lord, there's one thing that should come out first, and that is, be merciful to me, a sinner. When we start treating God as though, um, you know, we've done something for Him, or we start treating God as though uh, He wouldn't be complete without us, when we start treating God as though um, His promises are things that we deserve instead of things that have been gifted to us, I'll say it like this, a gift and possession, these things don't go together. They cancel each other out. Um, I love telling the story of when I was a kid and I used to get these catalogs, these catalogs that had knives in them, okay? And my mom, she would always say, okay, wait, for Christmas, I'll let you circle one thing from the catalog and I'll order it for you. And one year, it looks very small on the page. I mean, the knife was this big on the page. Um, and so I circled it. But it was a knife from a very famous movie, and it was this big. And when it came in the mail, my mom nearly had a heart attack, right? Now, I still have that knife. I love that knife. And the truth of the matter is, you know what? It is still a gift from my mother, even though she was ignorant to what was actually going to come in the mail. Um that was a good gift from her, and I still view it as a gift from her. I think back very fondly of that Christmas morning because what she thought was going to be a box about this big ended up being this big. And um, needless to say, do, do I have that? Yeah, I've got it. I love it. But you know what? It's still a gift from my mother and my father. Similarly, although not a perfect example, um, when we receive a gift from the Lord. Uh, is it in our possession? Sure. It, it's there. It's ours. And yet we understand it to be a gift. Whereas the Pharisee thought, I possess this already. 
the gift that you want to give to me? Ah, sure, thank you. It's mine. I've got it. God, thank you. I was born with it, is what the Pharisee's saying. It's what Cain's saying. It's what we say when we choose to look at our own lives and instead of saying, God, I need you, we say, God, I'm doing fairly well without you, although I would love to have you as a backup plan. Thank you so much. God, you know, I do understand that from your word, there are certain things that are expected of me. But on the other hand, I look at the way I'm living my life and I'm pretty proud of myself. I think, I think I'm doing all right. That's like seeing the gift of God and saying, I'm good. I've got that. That righteousness that you want to give to me, that faith you want to give to me, thank you, but, but no, I'm fine. Back in Luke chapter 17, uh, we read this. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. And that is a weird, backward statement from Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying, look, in this life, if you try to hold on to everything that you've got, and if you try to hold on to things by your own strength, and have faith in your own righteousness, you're a dead man. On the other hand, if you see that you're already dead in your sin, life is yours. And so this is what Jesus says. I tell you that this man went down to his house, or sorry, this man went down to his house justified. The tax collector who said, God be merciful to me, a sinner went to his house house justified, made right and righteous for the eyes of God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself, they're going to be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, does this mean that you just got to get real humble? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. Don't let this last verse confuse you. Jesus is not saying, okay, now get out there and work at it and make yourself humble enough to earn the gift of God. No, because then we'd be going right back to what the Pharisee was doing. Really, that's two sides of the same coin of unrighteousness. Where the Pharisee is saying, uh, I am all of that. Yes, I am. And the person down here is saying, well, I know that if I just go to God and say, oh God, I'm really awful, Um, I need you, then he'll look kindly on me. It's both the same uh, one coin, same uh, two different sides of unrighteousness. We're not saying, hey, just make yourself really small and then maybe God will be big enough for you. Now, what Jesus is inviting us to here through this story is to say that um, uh, you need to actually understand that you are a sinner and that you are someone who is in need of the gift of righteousness. Uh, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, 
of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. In fact, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is what humility looks like here. What Paul is saying is that he understood his circumstances very well. That he couldn't do it without God. In fact, he realized, he thought that he had received that death sentence. And yet, he called upon God and knew that God is the one who raises the dead. Alright, now, here at the very end of our passage, we get this um, interesting little thing tacked on here about the children. More specifically, infants. Now, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. The infants? (laughs) No, the people bringing the infants. Uh, But Jesus called them to Him, that is the people bringing the children and the children, saying, let the children come to Me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Alright, so uh, here we go. We, We need to work on a little bit of our language here briefly. Uh, The kingdom belongs to them? What are we saying? It means that children own the kingdom of God? No, that people like these children that receive, uh, receive from God the fact that they are unrighteous and in need of a Savior to those that understand that they have need. If nothing else, an infant understands that they have need, right? It comes out in cries and in whimpers and sometimes in silence. An infant understands their need. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. Uh, So, do they own the kingdom? No, they're members of it. It's people like these that are members of God's kingdom, that are in it. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Now, this is a, a really interesting thing that's happening in our text. If we were to read this from from Mark and from Matthew, we would understand very plainly exactly what we have written in the text here, that um, it's for those that come with a childlike faith that understand their need, that they have need, it's those that belong in God's kingdom that are a part of it. And yet, there's also something very interesting happening with the language of Luke. Um, for lack of, I don't, I don't know a better way of saying it, uh, except for like this. The language here is thick. It's thicker in Luke's Gospel. And we actually have two ways from Luke's Gospel that we need to understand what's happening. First of which is, yes, receive, um, uh, that those who receive God and their understanding of their need for His righteousness, those people are like children and they are a part of God's kingdom. They are saved by Jesus. But also, um, there's, there's a bit of a, a hitch in our story here. And this is where the disciples see it and they, they push the infants away. And so, 
the other meaning or the other understanding that we can have from this text is how do you receive the kingdom of God? Now, if you're afraid of infants, don't answer this question, okay? But how do you receive the kingdom of God? Like someone, when someone goes to hand you an infant, do you push them away and say, oh no, no thank you. I don't think I'll be taking that right now. My brother's one of those people. I don't think I'll be taking that right now. No, how do you do it? You receive the infant with open arms. One, you don't want the baby to fall to the ground. And two, because you're not a monster. Okay? This is also thick in the language, but it's there in the original language, and I think we need to make note of it. Not only is it about you receiving in faith, seeing your need, but also you're receiving the kingdom like you receive an infant (laughs) with open hands. All right. Here's the deal. Jesus knows that you are in need of his gift of righteousness. Don't reject him with your own self-righteousness. Don't reject the infant being handed to you. God knows your need. And I think each of you know your need as well. Receive God's gift of righteousness because yours isn't going to cut it. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the time that we get just to to just sit in your word for a little while. God, I ask for each of us as we continue on in our weeks um, that your Holy Spirit will be bringing this passage and these truths to our memory. And God, like this tax collector, Lord, I ask that you would constantly be bringing us back to the place where we see our sin, we see our need of a rescuer, and we're able to say, God, be unfair to me, please. Give me your righteousness. Make me right before you through your Son, Jesus. God, as we go about our business as we go about the business of of loving you imperfectly and loving our neighbor imperfectly, God, I pray that you will remind us that uh, we don't have to be crushed under the weight of our imperfection, that we don't need to be crushed under the weight of our sin, but rather we can offer Uh, that back up to you with the knowledge that you will be mercifully unfair to us and once again remind us of the salvation that we have in Christ. Lord, we'll thank you for that. God, we ask for the the strength, um, the the endurance, um, the spiritual grit that we need to get through this week. And we'll thank you for that as well. God, help us to freely offer this this message of of good news, this, this message of unfairness in Christ to those who we come across this week. And Lord, help us to offer it to one another in times of need as well. 
so that we can be once again reminded of the forgiveness uh, that we have in Jesus and receive it fresh and anew. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.